Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Sixer Sense. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here, and we are recording directly after the Game 2 loss to the Miami Heat, guys. It's a heartbreaker. Yeah, not, not great. Kind of, I think, what most of us expected, though. Um, nothing too surprising happened in this game. Doc Rivers basically did what he said he was going to do. The Sixers didn't really get blown out until the very end. It was reasonably competitive for the most part, but Miami basically was like holding a 10-point lead the whole time. They, they were always in the driver's seat, Lucas. Let's start with the starters. The obvious standouts being Tyrese Max, who had 34 points on 22 shots. 21 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals for Tobias. Another efficient night for him. Then James Harden had 20 points, 9 assists. What were your takeaways with the starters in this game? Um, Honestly, that Tyrese Maxey needs to be shooting more than 22 shots in this series per game. Chris, this, this kid is having his come out party right now, and it's like LeBron James said he was special on Twitter today. I mean, that's kind of a big deal, in my opinion. You know, arguably the second best player of all time acknowledging you as something special. Like, that's, that's you know, you can't just bat an eye at that. And that that would be the low-hanging fruit. And also, I'll say this right now. Tobias Harris is the best perimeter defender on the Sixers. Let that sink in for a moment, Chris. Four steals, but just being able to contest and stay in front of their defenders and not having to do anything recovery-wise. And yes, Raya, that is a shot at your boy. It's it's nice to see Tobias blossoming into a two-way player now that he doesn't have to focus so much on offense. And he's still at 21 points, by the way. Yeah, I I think both of those are right. I I mean, Tobias has just been so good the entire postseason at this point. He's Mm -hmm. like the one guy you can't really be mad at for anything, which is pretty remarkable and unexpected. Because he's the guy most people have been mad at since he got here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Tyrese... Like you said, he had a really big second half. It, it, he really wasn't very good in the first half. And then the third quarter, he just turned it on and ran away with this thing. Um, 34 points in the end. Really was able to get stuff going. Bam Adebayo had kind of shut him down with some of those switches in the first half. But he found the seams in that third quarter. Played a really special offensive game from that point on. And, you know, I'll I'll, I'll give James his flowers. 20 points, 15 shots, 9 assists. Nothing too special on paper it was again somewhat similar to the first game where he had a great first half and kind of tapered off in the second half 16 of his 20 points in the first half but Miami is basically loading Eric Spolcher said in a mic'd up inter- a timeout that they're building a wall for James Harden yeah James was seeing two or three bodies pretty much every time down the court and had anyone else on the team other than Tyrese and Tobias decided to hit some shots, I I think we'd probably be talking a bit differently about how about his impact because he was creating good looks, he was making the right reads for the most part. 
and guys just aren't hitting shots. We'll talk about the bench. It hasn't been great, but I, I think generally speaking, James has done pretty well these past couple games. It's not exactly what you want out of your number one guy, but that's James just isn't a number one guy anymore. I, I think that's a pretty fair statement. It's not really his fault. It's not like he's doing anything wrong. He's just not that kind of player anymore. And without Joel, the offense is going to struggle. Um, DeAndre Jordan starting again. It's just not great. He was more palatable in this game than in game one, but it, it was still pretty much not good at all. And Danny Green, three points, one attempt from the field, one to nine from deep. You got to do better. <laughs> really, really bad Danny Green game. He's prone to having some of those every now and then. We've seen it before. Just very but, poor timing on it. Yeah, poor timing with Joel out. So let, let's talk about the bench, Lucas. No Shake Milton in this game until garbage time. Doc went with George, Furkan, Paul Reed, and Matisse Thibel as just four guys. What did you think about their performances? Well, I'll leave Paul Reed to you because I know that that's your guy. But I'll say this. First off, I, I kind of think it was a good idea to go to Korkmaz. I mean, he had eight points uh, on eight shots, two or four from deep. He had six rebounds. I don't think he played terribly. I think that was a bogus offensive foul call that he got in the game in the third quarter as well. Um, I just, I, I like it because we know Cork Moss is not afraid to shoot and it has felt like for the most part, Shake Milton has been afraid to shoot if he's not on his hands and you need people willing to shoot. And granted, Cork Moss did not have the best game in terms of like he missed a a lob layup pretty much which isn't great but like he tried and it felt like he, he and Niang were the only people actually trying to make an impact Niang fouled out which was kind of disappointing um I'll I'll leave Thibel and Reed to you though yeah let I, me can I can I say something about Thibel I, I have to take ownership he I'm reading Derek Bodner's tweet so far, Matisse Thibel has as many COVID shots as made shots against the Heat. I saw that one, yeah. In 34 combined minutes playing this series, he is playing in a nightmare right now. He could not hit the side of a barn right now. It's clearly mental. He's not as effective on defense, which is what he's known for. He's unplayable, and and I I had faith in him, and I've lost faith. Um and before you guys move on, Wait, I just want to say something. Uriah, you've lost faith in a defensive specialist with a mental block shooting the ball on the six. Oh, gosh. Chris, you, you had the word it like that, didn't you? Well, <laughs> at least he had a he, at least he had a back injury. He's getting surgery in the offseason. At least that's yeah. what the Nets said. But real quick, back to Danny Green. Uh, public service announcement. I hope someone from the Sixers organization hears this. He is not allowed to do any more podcasts for the rest of the playoffs. Just Danny Green, focus on basketball, put the microphone away, took your computer away, unplug it actually, and just focus on making shots. One for nine, making $10 million a year is ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right, Chris, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, in all fairness to Danny, he, he had like a really good first round. Like with shooters, with guys who whose main purpose is to shoot, you're going to run into a cold night every now and then. It, it happens. Um, but... Like, the main point here is the Sixers have four players that they can rely on night in and night out. And one of those guys is an MVP candidate who is just not playing because he's hurt. So now they have three guys you can rely on. And frankly, all three of them played pretty well in this game. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't close to enough because Miami's more connected. They're deeper. They're the better team on both sides of the ball right now. So basically my main takeaway is that the Sixers are kind of screwed without Joel. Either way you slice it. One point on Furkan. He had six rebounds in 18 minutes that led the team in rebounding. That's not great. Well, we're really? <laughs> hey, wow. That led the team? Yeah. He's wow. right. Though. Wow. That is embarrassing. Wow. Come on, Jordan. Come on, Paul Reed. What's okay? Um, wow. So, yeah, Seibel is it got 20 minutes of cardio in, which is good for him. And Paul Reed <laughs> played 25 minutes and picked up two fouls. I, I think that's a pretty positive takeaway is that, that he was able to good. make it to 25 yeah. minutes. Good it wasn't him. his best game defensively or anything. 
I mean, I don't moments. think he played bad defensively. He yeah, had a he really had nice two blocks, had a steal, made some nice plays in the second half. I think the second half was a lot better than that that first stretch he had in the first half. I think but, he was just trying to stay out of foul trouble. He had the yeah, quote, he had the quote of the series, guys. <clears throat> He's like, "Oh, the Heat, we can beat them. They'll fold." Like great bulletin board material for. Yeah, no, man, I like that. I'm all, I'm all for what? I'm all for it. Hey, look, the Heat were probably like, who's that? Who's Paul Reed? He yeah, said what? I don't think anyone really <laughs> in Miami really cares. So, guys, so, think about it like this. Think about it like this. Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and James Harden had 75 of the Sixers' 103 points. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you can't win a playoff game with three good players in, like, what? six, seven bad players, like, that's just not going to win. Everyone else had the top three played below average basketball, generally speaking. Like, Paul Reed was okay. Furkan was okay, but those aren't great postseason players yet, you know? Furkan's been out of the rotation for a reason, and Paul Reed has played, like, ten games in his life because Doc hasn't trusted him until last week. So those are just issues you're going to run into when you're missing Joel and you don't have a good bench. Um, Miami obviously has a very good bench. They have Tyler hero and Victor Oladipo putting the Sixers, you know, six feet underground every time they touch the floor and it's not, it's hard to win that way. Um, you know, credit to Tyrese. Those two alone had 37 points. Yeah. I, I mean, like James kept it pretty close in the first half, and then Tyrese and Tobias kept it, kept them within striking distance for most of the second half. But again, they were they just never got over the hump because they don't have enough firepower around those guys without Joel to do that. Now, if Joel comes back in Game Three, even if he's, we'll talk about that. That changes things, obviously. But Miami's a really good team with a lot of good players up and down the roster, and a really good head coach, and they're not playing DeAndre Jordan, so they're up 2-0 for a reason. Um, Lucas, let's let's talk a bit about Doc Rivers, though. A grape. I have a grape. Yeah. Let's, I have a grape. He's adjusted after game one. Do you think he made any important adjustments, and what are, what's your overall takeaway from him this series? Um, My two grapes are this. One, there was less small ball in game two, which I think actually hurt the Sixers. Part of that was because Niang had foul trouble, though. But I, I would have liked to see more of it. Um, turnovers weren't as bad. You know, you just want to kind of get a little bit more in terms of rebounding, but y- your personnel can only do so much. My biggest gripe, though, Chris, and I know James Harden is supposed to be that guy, but if Tyrese Maxey is cooking at the beginning of the fourth quarter, do not take the ball out of that guy's hands. That is utterly unacceptable. I don't care if it's James Harden. James Harden has not looked like James Harden in the past two years. You don't take the ball out of Tyrese Maxey's hands. You let that kid cook until he can't cook no more, and he was still cooking. And then as soon as James Harden came back into the game, that's fine. But you don't let James Harden dribble the air out of the ball for five straight possessions, pretty much. Absolutely unacceptable by Doc and James Harden. Let the kid cook. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I had the same read on that as you. Um, I mean, James is like the only guy on the team who can set up the offense and get guys in the right spot. Um, and, and most of Tyrese's it, it, buckets... It doesn't matter. If Maxie's cooking, you just let Maxie cook. buckets come either off the catch, attacking off the catch, or in transition. He's not, like, setting up the offense and going one-on-one. That's not how you get Tyrese going in this series. But he was doing that in the fourth, though. In the third. He was starting to do that in that during that span. You don't stop it just because James comes back in, and you want to get the rest of your players involved. Like, let the kid cook until he can't cook anymore. Clearly, he's your best player in this series right now, and yes, I said that. I mean, I'll say it again. I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I, Uriah, back me up on that one. About uh, shooting, giving him the ball no, to shoot? No, no. Maxi being the best player for the Sixers in this series right now. Yeah. It's... No, I, I mean, oh, Tobias. Tobias, Tobias, Tobias. Game one. Tobias was comparably impactful tonight. Tobias, Tobias is more consistent 
Tobias, Tobias is, is consistent. a two-way player. Maxie didn't come on until, I think, the second half. He didn't really start cooking until yeah. the second half. And, look, I, I know James isn't, like, doing as much as people want, but he's, he's like, clearly the best player out there, probably. Mm, no way. No. no way. He forces so many. He gets his shot blocked more than anybody else on the team. I get it. Ugly like, turnovers. And look at his efficiency. His shooting is terrible. He's not the best player on this on the Sixers in this uh, series. I, I'll just say that, like this: like without James out there, the Sixers would have lost both these games by way more. Like, like the offense just doesn't run the same way without James. He's again, he had five assists in Game One. He probably would have had like fifteen of guys that actually hit shots. Like, like some of these assist numbers, probably not where you would expect, just because guys are missing a ton of threes right now. The Sixers shot like twenty three percent tonight after shooting like seventeen percent in Game One, which is just tough luck it stinks but james's patience and ability to control the flow of the offense is, is really important especially with joel out like I, all due credit to tyrese he's like kind of a one-note player still he can score the heck out of the ball but that's pretty much all he's doing and he, he still makes a lot of pretty rough decisions when he's asked to orchestrate the offense and tobias is the guy you need in like that third fourth role so I, I think James is still the most important player out there for Philly, especially with how Miami's defending him. Like, there's a reason Tyrese and Tobias were able to get loose. It's in part because James is just dragging. But Tyrese started to run without James on the court. That's what I'm saying here, Chris. James was not on the court for that Tyrese run in the third and fourth. I, I get that it. Was, that was nothing to do with James Harden. Well... I, I just don't – I didn't process the game like that. I didn't think James took away from Tyrese that meaningfully in the fourth quarter. I there I think he did. I, I think he did. That's just me. But, I mean like, – Like, they had that one shot clock violation at the beginning of the fourth. Where uh, they had – Tied up. But after that, I Tyrese still had the ball in his hands plenty. And, and Tobias, Tobias and Tyrese were the big scorers in that quarter too. So – it's not like James is scoring the ball in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like, he was still out there facilitating. So, I, I just don't know if I quite read it the same way as you. I mean, I just saw a lot of dribbling and, like, you know, jacking up threes that were contested. So, that's I, – I don't know, Chris. But, obviously, we have two completely different takes there. Um, but, I guess my big – yeah, my – I, I like I didn't I don't feel like we saw as much zone in the game two or as much small ball and I feel like those were the things that helped us in game one. So I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I, I mean I agree. I, I think Doc <clears throat> Doc is not coaching as good a series as he did against Toronto. And and like he's screwed either way without Joel. Like there's really no good answer without Joel. This team doesn't have a roster to compete without Joel. We can whine and complain about DeAndre Jordan, and rightfully so. He just shouldn't be playing, but it's not like he has a ton of great options there. If you go small, you're just not stopping anyone. Paul Reed almost fouled out in 13 minutes in game one. Paul Millsap's not exactly great either, so it's not like he has a ton of great options. So there's only like so much you can put on Doc Rivers' doorstep when the team doesn't have Joel Embiid, but I agree. They probably should have gone small a bit more in this game. There's really no reason to start DeAndre Jordan. Like, Paul made it to 25 minutes tonight. You you play him until he fouls out, basically, with Paul Reed is where I'm at. Yeah. Without Joel. You know, just start him. And if he gets into foul trouble, you can adjust then. But Paul Reed should be starting. And the yeah. argument could be made for Charles Bassey as the backup. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, again, DJ's just really not cutting it. But there's, yeah, there's only so much you can put on Doc's. I think, I think if you, if Doc puts Bassey in, it, it, it should have been tonight. He had nothing really to lose. If he doesn't play well, then he could always come back to his veterans. But Bassey is just, he's raw, but he's just like Paul, Paul Reed. They have something to play for, something to prove. They're young, athletic. They can get off the ground. They can grab rebounds, which is what this he's team bigger is not than doing. Paul. He's bigger than Paul. By what, like an inch? But No, like two inches and like 30 pounds, dude. 
makes well, a big difference. There you go. I think if the time was to play Bassey and, and just sink or swim, it was tonight, but he didn't. Yeah. I, I mean, like, anyone with the he's young argument, like, like, it's not like DJ is some basketball genius. Like, DJ makes a ton of poor decisions. He's pretty much, like, has cement in his shoes on defense. He's not doing much for you in any respect. So... The downside is pretty limited. I, I do not think it could get much worse than DeAndre Jordan. Bassey can catch lobs. He's the closest to DJ offensively, just in terms of how they play. So, Chris, is Millsap better than DeAndre Jordan? Uh, I yeah, I, I think no. So. No, no, I don't. No, no way. No That's way. A, I have to completely it, disagree. It, it depends on what you want. Do you want it, it a depends, someone that can jump? Matchup? How about okay, someone okay. can jump and can be a lob threat? How about okay, that? Okay, okay, okay. Here's, here's and at my least thing. and at least maybe potentially block a shot. Millsap does okay. none of that. He does none okay. of that. Okay, but Millsap okay. is like, he, he's a smarter he's defender. You've seen this series. Millsap has just been miles ahead defensively. Even what? if he's not blocking a shot or whatever, you, you like blocked shots purely. You can't judge defense on that because DJ is also giving up a layup line like on every other shot attempt around the rim. Well, okay. Now, Millsap's not okay. Here, here's my thing: like, at the rim and drop coverage because he can't move and is giving up wide open ten foot jumpers to any Heat guard who who wants to go at him. Like you don't have to worry about that quite as much with Paul. He can at least move his feet around and put a body on uh, him when he's cutting to the uh, rim. Game one, Millsap, Millsap kind of got roasted on by Victor Oladipo. Kind of. He 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 had to Look, grab his shoulder. Is not good enough to play in the playoffs, but DJ is is like another level of just you uh, can't play him in this. He, he's a lot. He, he, here's my thing. Okay, so you have Millsap. He's a smarter player, um, which is a big deal. He's an okay rebounder. Will box out. Will try out to get the glass. Not always the, but he's not tall. He's not athletic and. I mean, he is a little bit better, better offensively in terms of getting his shot off, but like, not significantly. DJ, not you know, can still jump, can still rebound, can still block shots, but can't move laterally at all. But I neither. Can go, I can go back weeks, Lucas, and and remember a single basket that Millsap made. I can't remember the last time he made a single field goal. Oh, I, I remember last time he made he's a field not goal. He, he was replaced by DJ. Like that's why. Mm. All right, all right, guys. Let's go ahead and switch gears. And we're going to talk about the Miami side of things. Guys, Eric Spolster, arguably, you know, top coach in the NBA right now. Still, I... I top one. Yeah, he's he's one of the smartest NBA coaches. Mm. He's doing a lot of things to ca- cause, you know, mm. the fixer some... Uriah, do you want to say something? You want to share man. with the class? Look... You, me, or Chris could coach LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Okay, oh, we're not way, talking about to a championship. We're not we're talking about the Eagles. We're talking about this listen, current team. The Heat have been no, really good post. When Spolstra had Dwayne Wade and Dwayne Wade only, they were barely a 500 team. You, okay, Hello. look at the rest. Look at the rest of that roster, though. You were starting Hasheen Whiteside at that point. Think about that, Uriah. Listen, Have seen white side. Listen to me and listen to me closely, guys. A coach is only as good as his players unless you are Larry Brown and you take the 2004 Detroit Pistons and win a championship. Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, uh, Casey Jones, all these guys had three stars every year. So all this Spolstra stuff, Spo, just so what he started in the, in the tape room and started watching film and became coach. Good for him. But the Sixers don't have Embiid. If Embiid is playing, we'd be talking differently about this series. That's all true. Like, yeah, that's he can't true. Win without stars, but that doesn't mean Spolstra is not a good coach. Like both I mean, he, he's, he's a good he's, coach, Chris. I, I, he's a good coach, but he's not this top coach in the league, in my well, opinion. Well, who is? If it's not him, it's not Ty Lue. Who, who is the top coach in the league? I'd actually say Ty Lue, and I hate to say it, is a better coach than him. Concerning what he did with the Clippers without Paul George and Kawhi, I think he's okay. Better. Yeah, that's actually uh, that, that's actually but really who's good. Who's the best coach in the league? I, I'm like interested in your answer. Yeah, who would you have in your top five? I'm fascinated. Yeah, now, now we're on this. You 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 caused this top, rabbit wait, hole. Top, top five head coaches in the NBA. Yes, right now. All right, let's see. Let's go. Who's the? We're not going to plug Monty. I go Monty's okay. there. 
Okay. Uh, who's the guy from Memphis? Um, uh, Taylor Jenkins. Okay, fair I enough. Go, I go Taylor Jenkins. Uh, Budenholzer? Uh, no. 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 Bud's a good coach. Yeah. He's a good coach, but he's not a top five. Uh, you well, don't think I so? Think, I think it's pretty. We know it's not. <laughs> we know it's not Doc Rivers. <laughs> no, I was gonna say Tibbs, but he they the Knicks fall. No, uh, yeah. listen, I say Tibbs is a top. He's a top five coach. Oh, no, but no. he's not a top like one, two, or three. No, no, I'd say no. Nick okay, Nurse, give, Nick Nurse here, is better here, than him. Nurse okay. is better than him. That's an argument that could be valid. Okay. Yeah. I think it's like between Spo, Lou, and Nurse. I think those would be like the top three off the top of my head. Okay, okay. Steve, here, but I was about to say Steve Kerr. Here. You got to include Steve Kerr there. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, you have plenty of rising coaches like JB Bickerstaff, Ime Udoka. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else. Uh, Willie Green. Who knows what he's going to yeah. do in the next couple of years? Like, but I would still keep Spo in my top five. Right now, I would say my top five in no particular order. You know, you got Monty, you got Steve Kerr, you got who else? Um, Ty Lu, you have so that's three, right? You have Nick Nurse and you have Spo. There, that's five. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Spo and Ty Lu would be my top two if I had to pick two guys. Um, coaching my team, but Monty's up there, Kerr is up there. Um, you know, like Mike Malone's really good. There are tons of good names out there. But... Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's. I mean, there's only three head coaching openings right now in the NBA for a reason. Yeah. So there might be four after this series. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I hope so. Uh, I hope so. Anyway, um, we'll see. Uh, that being said, so Chris, back to our original question. Now that we went on that rabbit trail, uh. What are some of the defensive strategies that uh, Spo has thrown at the Sixers so far that's causing a lot of trouble? Trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, they're building that wall on James, and the rest of the guys around James just aren't doing enough to make them pay for that necessarily. Obviously, Miami's a really good switch defense with guys like PJ and Bam. Bam can guard Tyrese in the half court, which yeah. is Up pretty, pretty, quarter. pretty, pretty impressive. Up until the third quarter, Bam had had pretty much put Ty- the locks on Tyrese. Like they have an ability to shut down guards, and without Joel, you can pretty much switch any one of the small guys onto Philly center. So there's not a lot of worrying about matchups there. So that really helps Miami. Um, but yeah, I mean this Heat is a really versatile, long defensive group. They've been one of the best defenses in the NBA all season. And without Joel and without James being Houston-level James Harden and with Tyrese being as young as he is and Tobias still being Tobias Harris, the Sixers just don't have enough guys to beat it right now is what I feel I like. Mean, I mean, think about it. You're losing 30 points and 11 rebounds per game. You're not going to be able to replace that. It's just not yeah. gonna happen. You're you're losing thirty points and eleven rebounds, and the guy replacing him is is DeAndre Jordan, or or Paul Reed, who's never played real minutes until this month. So, there's a pretty considerable drop off there. The offense runs through Joel, even with James out there. So it, it's just hard to replace him. I mean, let's be real. Even if we still had Andre Drummond. This would be a big hole to fill, at least on the offensive end. Still, yeah. No, look, guys. Drummond was really bad in like the Nets spot. Drummond is not a great postseason center. So, regardless of who's there, unless you have, there's just no way to replace what Joel can do. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, uh, on the offensive end, what are you seeing from the the Heat? Um. Well, I'm mainly just seeing that the Sixers' defense is bad. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. they just have no answer for Bam Adebayo. Jimmy, after being pretty quiet last game, was able to target a bunch of different mismatches in this game and do a lot of good stuff as both a scorer and a facilitator. And they just don't have anyone to guard Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, those folks. Thibault was like pretty bad defensively in this game, and you know he's obviously not giving you anything on offense. So if you can't count on Thibault to go out there and make a difference for you, 
you're I mean, Tobias has stepped up in a big way. And Danny has been a pretty decent perimeter defender this postseason, but th- those guys can only do so much. And DeAndre, as we've said, is just not providing much of anything in the center of the floor. And Paul Reed, as as great and wonderful as he is, is only playing between 13 and 25 minutes at this point. So they just don't have enough to stop the Heat. I don't think the Heat are like some unbeatable offense. They're They're not elite especially with Kyle Lowry out, but the Sixers defense without Joel, is just a mess. So I think that's the big takeaway. Yeah. They can't stop the bleeding inside or out. And that's, that's the main issue. I also like to point out something else here. Guys, we don't have to worry about being able to put liable to a rookie extension now because he just played himself out of a, probably a solid play payday of like, 10 to 15 mil to maybe getting 5 mil in the a year just because of this poor performance, at least in my opinion. I don't think many other teams are going to pay more than 5 mil, maybe like 7 or 8 mil, but I mean, you can swallow that if you have to for the Sixers, but like his rookie extension is coming up this offseason. Like, or you can just, you know, play restricted free agency, and if I'm the Look, Sixers, I might just guys, do that. I, I think the move Honestly, and, you know, we'll see what happens next season. You might get better, but I think the move is obviously to try to trade him before that extension kicks in. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. I mean, if you can get, you know, if you can switch, like, flip him and maybe Danny Green, if you decide to, you know, exercise that, you know, his, you know, guarantee his contract, you could – Maybe flip those two, and you might have to add some extra salary for like Harrison Barnes. I I do that. I don't know if you know Sacramento does it, but I would do that in a second. Um, I you just need a you just need a, a three and D wing really, like what Danny Green was supposed to be this year. They they need that. They need more of that, honestly. I think this series is really showing us that without Joel Embiid, the Sixers' lack, lack of athleticism defensively is really allowing Miami's guards like Tyler Hero. And by the way, can we just talk about one second how Doc Rivers is not hunting Ty- Tyler Hero every offensive possession? Can can we talk about that and why he's not doing that, but he did that during the regular season? Um. Yeah, I mean... They've done it a decent amount, but Miami's really good at like just getting back into their right stance. You know, uh, they're really good at putting again multiple bodies in front of James. So it's not just him on Tyler Hero. They're just not going to let that happen. You know what I mean? So, no, but you can let. This is why I think Maxi needs the ball more because Maxi can take Hero off the dribble. True, but they're not going to let Tyrese ISO him either like they're gonna no. bring bodies you have matisse or dj out there those are guys you can help off of and not really worry like that's part of the issue with just having three good players is it's really easy to guard those three good players if you don't really have to care about the others because mm-hmm. george is like one of 10 from three this series danny was one of nine tonight if those guys aren't hitting shots and making the defense worry you're you're pretty much screwed, and it becomes no. a lot easier to guard the other three main guys. Yeah, that's that's fair, but yeah, I just I don't think the Sixers have the perimeter defense to really guard a team with some t- quick twitched guards like Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, and because the interior defense is struggling, the team has to collapse so much that it leaves wide open threes. Like, I don't know, like the Sixers are kind of like. They're they're kind of screwed right now, honestly. Like, if you say if you told me if we have a team with Joel on it, and you told me in game one the Sixers held Miami to one hundred and six points, and in game two we held them to one nineteen, I would say okay, the Sixers are probably one and one in that series, or two and one. But without Joel and B, those are clearly losses, and that's that's just where we're at. And let's be real. If Joel was in either one of those games, those scoring totals would not be as high as they were. Yeah. Here, so I, I'm going to pose a hypothetical. 
Okay, I'm listening. The reporting around the time of the Harden trade was basically that Philly fought to keep both Maxi and Thibel, and that's why Seth ended up being included. Do if we you're saying keeping, you're... do we keep think do we think keeping Thibel over Seth was the right move because they both have one Ooh. year left on their contract? Do you want to sign Thibel to an extension? Probably not. I, I you obviously lose defensively, but. Thibault is straight up unplayable, and I feel like if they had Seth in this series and the last one, they'd find ways to use him. You can like, say that now, but the trend was going up when Harden got here. Thibault's numbers were going up. It wasn't until the, sh- the Toronto shot scandal that he started going in the spiral I, where uh, he's not, not on the floor. He's not being productive. So I, I mean... It's 2020 revisionist history. I mean, I I think plenty of people had worries about whether Thibault would hold up in the playoffs. Okay, here's my thing, though. I knew from the start if Ben was going to Brooklyn, then we would have had to give up Seth Curry. I had already accepted that because, like, you got salary wise, it was either going to be Danny or Seth. And we were not in a position to offer Danny instead of Seth. Like, it was going to have to be Seth. It's easy to say right now. Right now, as of 10.48 p.m. after game two, the Sixers got demolished two games in a row. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, we should have thrown Thibault on that instead of Curry. Well, where is Curry right now? He was playing alongside the two of the greatest players in NBA history, and they were swept. So he, well, how great sure, was yeah. Curry in that series? I, I think the issues there go way beyond Seth. Like, Seth played fine. Uh, Did he? I think wasn't yeah. the well, I mean, Brooklyn he, just not having was, any system set up. And no. Oh, come on, man. Like, KD and Kyrie and Curry can't make a difference to win a game, a single game, Chris? I mean, here's the thing. That was like the lowest. The Celtics had like the lowest net total, like, victory over a four game sweep in NBA history. Like, all those games were competitive. It wasn't like they blew Brooklyn out every night. So, you know. All I'm saying is easy to say. We should have traded Thibault like, at this point. Um, I guess my question would have been if you kept if you found a way to keep Curry, who's not starting? You can't play James at the three. So who's not starting, Chris? Is it is it Curry or is it uh, Mac? Well, I I think Doc James at the three. But I, well, I mean, defensively, that's I, a big. I think there's a good chance it would. It would have either been like George or or maybe Doc finally invest in the Isaiah Joe project because they Well no my 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 thing is you're not gonna start Curry and Maxi along with Harden. Like Yeah, you probably bring Curry off the bench. But are you probably sure close games. Are, are you sure Doc would have done that? If I'm Doc and I have Curry, one of the best three pointer shooters in NBA history, along with James Harden. I, you know, I would probably bring Maxi off the bench, and we all know how special Maxi. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maxi was playing. I'm not much. saying I would do that. I'm saying Doc would. I, I don't think so, but mm. we'll never know because they they traded Seth. So all right, yeah. Let's let's just go ahead. Which yeah. All right, I'm gonna hit the transition. Let's <laughs> let's talk about Embiid. Still no confirmed data return for him, Lucas, but there is some optimism that he could return still for game three, maybe game four. Doc said earlier today that he's doing better. He's doing some stuff now. If he clears concussion protocol in time for Friday's game three, he could play with a custom mask and his torn thumb. If Embiid does return, Lucas, what can we reasonably expect out of him? That is the million dollar question. Um, well, I can say this: nobody can say that he. You, we can never nickname him Street Clothes because this guy tries to play every chance he gets. Um, and yes, that was a shot at Anthony Davis. Um, if if I had to guess, I mean, Chris, that you know, from what I've been hearing, this is not a fun injury, and I think Joel Embiid had a hard time even looking at his phone on Monday night. Yeah, like I don't that's think the, getting your face broken is particularly. Yeah, dangerous. no, like it, it hurt him to watch, look at his phone. So, like, if if that, like, can we really expect much? Like, I don't know because we don't. I mean, it looked like he was finally getting used to being playing with the sore thumb. 
like with a thumb injury. And then this happens like, and I think he had a lot more time to recover last time he broke his face, you know, on Markel Fultz's shoulder versus this time. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that? Like a two week recovery before he came back. And this is like maybe a week, not even a full. Yeah. Like a week. So it's really come down. Like, do I expect Joel Embiid to get me 30 and 10 in this game? Absolutely not. I think we'd be lucky if he gave us 20 and 10. Like, and real okay, so I'm going to be, like, take off, like, fan hat, put on, like, medical doctor slash, like, GM hat here. If Joel, if Joel Embiid can't make his debut until game four, like, if he's healthy for game, like, if he's good to go in game four, but they're already down 0-3, I just hold him out. Like, you're not coming back from deficit. So, yeah. like... Just if he can't go game two, I mean, game three, and we lose game three, which could very well happen, just don't play him again. Like, go ahead and get him the surgery for his thumb. Like, it, like, I know it sounds bad, but like, at that point, you're just torturing the guy because you're not coming back from 03. Nobody in the history of the NBA has done that. So, yeah, no, it's just it's it would just be time, I think, at that point to just pack it in. But if he does come back, I don't expect him to be a hundred percent. Yeah, I I I think it would be a huge credit to Joel and his competitive spirit if he does return. But like you said, he's gonna be playing through a facial injury that I mean we all remember last time he wore the mask that he really did not like that mask and that it affected his shooting to some extent, and that his peripheral vision is impacted. He's already impacted as a passer by the fact that his thumb doesn't work. That's, we've already seen him turn the ball over a bit more with that injury. It, he's wearing a mask, too, on top of that. That's like two different factors impacting his ability to, like, impacting ball control and shot quality. Like, like it's not going to be Joel at full force. I, I think that's absolutely the case. Um, does it change how Miami has to guard Philly? Absolutely. Do you still have to bring double and triple teams at Joel whenever he gets a post-touch? Yes. Does it take away a lot of the pressure currently on James Harden and Tyrese Maxey? Yes. Like, it obviously helps the Sixers quite substantially if Joel comes back in any form. But, like you said, I, I think he's probably not going to be playing his absolute best basketball. And Miami is a really, really good, relentless, deep team. Like, like I think we're probably trending towards four or five game series territory here, Lucas. So let's let's put it like this: If Embiid does play, starting in Game Three, plays the rest of the series, how much of a chance do you give Philly to win this? Uh, okay, if if we had a completely healthy Embiid, I would have picked the Sixers and six. With this thumb injury, maybe Sixers and seven. But with this face injury and the fact that they're already down 0-2, Chris, I'm I'm gonna say Miami and five. I yeah. just don't think Joel can give them enough with the amount of injuries that he has. Yeah, um, I mean that was my prediction before the series. I. I, I just don't know if the Sixers have enough. Like you said, if it was a totally healthy Embiid and he was playing from game one, I think we would have been in for a very fun, competitive, long series. But, um, you know, an 0-2 hole is pretty hard to dig out of. Not a lot of teams do it. And Miami is not the kind of team that loses four games in five attempts very like they're a pretty good team they're the one seed for a reason they had the third best record in the nba this year like miami's legit so i don't see it happening i I think you know heat and five is probably the safe bet it could frankly be heat and four depending on how yeah i i wanted to be nice yeah if joel doesn't come back i i don't even know if i see philly philly winning a game so I think that's the territory we're in. I'd love to be proven wrong. Oh, I'd yeah. love for Joel to come back and like put up 40 in the mask with a broken thumb. And that would be a serious like bump 
on his legacy and his resume. I was going to say, if, if he can come back and win this series for the Sixers, I think, like you said, big bump on his legacy, I think it would be undisputed that even if he doesn't win the MVP, he would be the most deserving of it this year. Um, uh, again, y'all, it's it's Chris regular season. Okay, but like nothing to do with MVP. Okay, but like Chris, you know exactly what I'm saying, though. Like this guy, like he's the he. I mean, like he's going to be one of the toughest dudes. I think he already is the toughest dude. Yeah, MVP's one of the four best players in the NBA. They're all really good. Like this, this yeah, like this same injury kept Bam Adebayo out for seven weeks. Absolutely. So, like, I just – I I think that this would be – if he can come help the Sixers come back and win this, not only is this helps Joel's legacy, it helps Harden and Doc's too. But to be clear, they would be riding Joel and Bede's co- coattails throughout the series if they win this, if they win this. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would require a pretty vintage-level performance from Joel to pull out this series. And I, I don't know if we've ever gotten like a full vintage level Joel performance for an entire series yet. Probably because of injuries in the case of the Toronto series. But it just hasn't really happened yet. And with two pretty considerable injuries holding it back, I don't know if it's going to happen now. So I'm not the optimist in this situation, unfortunately. I'm not like either of us are. Yeah, no. I mean, you're right. Do, do what do you think? You you wrote the question, so do you, do you have a different take about what Embiid would mean if he returns? Yeah, does it change the project the series? I don't think that having two injuries would. <laughs> I just don't think if it was one injury, maybe he'd be able to play through it, but you're talking about spatial recognition on the court, vision in addition to a pain tolerance with the thumb, it'd be really, really tough for him to make a impact the way he would if he was healthy. It would be really yeah. tough. Yeah. So what you're saying is that it doesn't matter if he comes back or not, the Sixers are probably going to lose this series. Yeah, I I think so. Unfortunately. Wow. If we got, if we got optimism, Uriah saying that Chris, it's not <laughs> looking good for the Sixers at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think it's pretty bleak, which is unfortunate because it, it's really only super bleak because Joel got hurt. It's bad luck again. That's kind of derailing the Sixers. But can we also kind of, you know, I am going to point the blame of Daryl Morey here for the fact of you did not properly construct this roster well enough. To be honest, the depth is insufficient. You have four centers on the roster, but really two are playable. When Joel's not, I mean, yeah, four, yeah, four backup centers and only two are truly playable. But you, that your coach won't play one of them. Yeah, yeah, like this is like it's yeah. it's just I'm, I'm gonna and you don't have any athletic wings, and the ones that you do have can't shoot. And you know, Matisse Liable and Charlie Brown Jr who isn't eligible, by the way, because he's on a two-way, he, he can't play in the playoffs. But, like, yeah, it's You're on right. Daryl Morey here, too. Like, you did good in getting, you know, Andre Drummond, but then you had to trade him, and instead of, you know what, you could have waved Paul Mill got a wing. Like, I'm sure you could have, like, even if it's, like, another small guard, like, Tyler Johnson was not bad for the Sixers when he played here. Like, there were other options available. Like, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, heck, if you would have told me, hey, we're going to go get Michael Beasley, at least in my head, I would be like, you know what? He's a walking bucket. He can still score. He'll get you rebounds. Like, is yeah. he – like, he's a better option than Andre Jordan right now. Yeah. I, I, I think the DeAndre Jordan move was a mistake for sure. And Keeping Paul Mills was the roster. Keeping Paul Mills, like, if you keep one of them, you could talk me into it because, okay, you have a veteran center for these two young guys. Okay, fine. Talk me into that. But keeping both of them was just irresponsible. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You don't need four backup centers, and the bench is just not good as, as good as it needs to be. That's that's all true. I, I will say, like, 
you build the team around your best player and not having him kind of makes it hard to evaluate. But, but at the same time, Chris, you can have shooters who are athletic. Yeah, Just because you have Joel and B does not mean you can't have athletic yeah. shooters. I mean, like, no one on the buyout market after the trade deadline is getting minutes with this team. Like, there aren't any... Well, let, let me ask you this. If, the, if Duncan I Robinson only got minutes in the series in Game 2 at the end, if Duncan Robinson was on this team, Chris, would he be starting? Yeah, but he wasn't, like, a buyout free agent. No, but well, that's what I'm saying, though. The Heat are so deep that they have a guy who's on their bench not getting minutes, who would probably be starting for the Sixers, or at least being a very good rotational wing yeah, for the that, Sixers. Those are the kinds of moves, generally speaking, that happen in the offseason, right? Like, those are veteran yeah. minimum guys they signed, undrafted free agents. Miami drafts really well. Frankly, they develop better than that. Daryl Daryl has drafted really well. Like, imagine if Tyrese Maxey didn't pan out where the Sixers would be right now. Or this oh, season. yeah. I think Bassey and Paul Reed were both really good picks. We just haven't seen enough of them. I think Isaiah Joe was a great pick in the second round. We just haven't – Doc doesn't play those guys, so we, we just never really know for sure, which is – like, that's on Doc. But you're right. Like, like the bench needs a pretty serious overhaul in the playoffs. The fact that George Niang has been your best guy off the bench all year, he's, like, unplayable in the playoffs. That's an issue. Pretty much all of them are unplayable for one reason or another. So – I don't know how many guys off the Sixers bench right now would be playing for any other team. That's an issue, and that does fall on Daryl to some sort of extent. Um, he doesn't obviously have a ton of financial flexibility because of Tobias's contract and moves that were made before him, but you're right. They only have four good players, and that, that's on Daryl too. So there need to be changes in the offseason. Um, once they figure out whatever they're going to do with Harden's contract, like they need to really work on fleshing out the rest of the rotation. All right. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so let's let's just move on to our last section here. And, Chris, I got to ask you about some keys moving forward. What does Doc Rivers need to do for Philly to have a chance to win, a, you know, this, a, a game in the series, let alone the series? Um, well, I haven't watched Karate Kid in a while, but you know how... Mr. Miyagi does that thing to like heal him. Oh yes, he needs to do that with Joel's face. And <laughs> if he can pull that off, then then Philly might have a chance. But maybe a- absence Joel at a hundred percent. I I don't know if there's much Doc can do, especially if Joel is just not going to come back. If, if Joel's not going to, you know, Doc can throw whatever he wants at the wall. I don't think they're winning more than one game. Like they just don't have enough. And, you know, I could sit here and say, don't play DeAndre Jordan anymore. More small ball. More, more, Charles, ba- more Charles Bassey. More Charles but Bassey. It, but it, at the end of the day, difference, though? he could do all that and they're probably still losing. So, um, you know, he, he's fighting a really steep uphill battle. And he's probably going to fall off the mountain here at some point, And it's not really going to be his fault, you know. So, um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if there's much Doc can do unless. I mean, it, let's just be real though. He have a better roster and a better coach. Like it's like yeah. Doc, we could, we, he could do all the minor changes, but at the end of the day, like it's not going to make a difference without Joel. And even like you know, we both said even if Joel played in this series, it'd be a long series, and you know, there's a chance Miami could still come out on top. But I think we would pick the Sixers. But the Sixers still. have four good players, and they are built in a way where they're pretty much only winning if those four guys all step up. Like again, in this game, in Game Two, the three main guys who were out there played well. Harden had a pretty good game. Maxi had a really great second half. Tobias had a really good second half. Like, all those guys stepped up in one way or another, and it, it just wasn't nearly enough. Like, they need all four guys out there, and, or they're screwed. They're built around that four-person group. It's those mm-hmm. four and a bunch of shooters and dunkers. Not very good shooters, not very good dunkers, but uh, that's pretty much what they got. So, mm-hmm. absent Joel, there's just really not enough there for Doc. We keep saying that, but it's, it's the state of things. They, they're just not good enough right now to beat a team as good as Miami. So, let me... 
this if Doc, if the Sixers, assume, you know, working under the presumption that because we all think it, the Sixers lose this series. Does Doc Rivers come back next year, Chris? Um, I I honestly think the safe bet would be yes, just because again his contract is worth so much, and that was like in the last report from Jake Fisher. It's like Doc just is owed a lot of money still. And that would be a lot for ownership to swallow if they were going to move on so soon. Um, mm-hmm. Outside the Lakers job, I, I don't really see any reason Doc would want to leave Philly. And frankly, is the Lakers job really all that great with what's going on over there? <laughs> like, I I don't know. So I, I think the safe bet would be yes. He hasn't really, like done anything this postseason absent like the DeAndre thing people complain like he hasn't done anything super terrible because he's screwed either way without Joel and he coached a good first round like it's not really Doc Rivers fault that Philly's in this position even like with Joel Health he was making a lot of smart moves with the rotation he was staggering he was playing the right guys he eventually went to Paul Reed you think that Paul Reed would be playing backup minutes in the series if Joel was healthy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's been pretty comfortable with Jordan, but yeah, I I, uh, I think I mean he has, but again, like Paul played twenty five minutes tonight. Jordan played thirteen. I, I think when Paul is available to play and he's not at five fouls, he's pretty clearly the better center and that's kind of how Doc yeah. has treated it. Like he went to Paul Reed four minutes into game one. And if he hadn't picked up five fouls, he probably would have played a lot more than 13 minutes. So Mm -hmm. I think we would be seeing a lot of Paul Reed in this series with Joel. Um, Yeah, it's just really not on Doc. We can't really put the blame there, which, I mean, for some people, it's probably kind of frustrating, but it's just bad luck with the Joel injury. And I don't know if Philly's going to eat that contract because – I don't know. They were a top four seed. He only had twenty games with James. Like like I don't know how much you can really put on Doc. Yeah. Uh, I think we all agree that he's not the best head coach in the NBA and he makes some stupid choices and it's very frustrating at times. And I wouldn't mind. I don't care about ownership's pockets. Like I, if they I don't care about whether or not they eat. Uh, who's a better option? And I besides Mike D'Antoni, who might go to Charlotte now. Yeah, I mean, I'd be super interested in, like, canvassing and going for a younger guy. Mark Jackson is, please no. Um, you know, good for Sacramento if that's what they want to do with themselves, but I, Mark Jackson shouldn't be coaching. Um, I don't think he's a bad coach. Um, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I mean, I'd be really interested. I've kind of, like, mentally talked myself into Sam Cassell, but. I, I I wouldn't be upset about that, Uriah. If they replaced Doc Rivers with Sam Cassell, how would you feel? I'm fine with it. Sam Cassell's cool. I'm I'm all for it. Like it's it's you know somebody familiar, but somebody new. Yeah, I mean he's like a development guy. I think he'd be more willing to play the young guys and to try different things out. I feel like I'm, I'm hoping mm-hmm. maybe and I'm Doc projecting got a, a bit. successful we got... uh, coaching tree too. Yeah, we'd, we we ultimately. Uh, don't really know, but yeah, generally speaking, Philly's assistant coaches do really well, so yeah, yeah. I mean, but I was talking more like Doc's because you know, he had Thibodeau come from his branch, he had uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Doc Ty and Brett are really good at having assistant coaches who end up being better than they are, so I'd be willing to take a chance on Sam Cassell. Man, I kind of wish we would have gotten e- I I had email as an option, but no, nobody wanted email, they wanted a sexy name. Like Dan Tony or Doc Rivers. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know if anyone. I there were obviously people who wanted Doc, but I I don't think the core. I don't know. I don't know if anyone well, really I mean, rooting I for Doc Rivers. Be, I think Dan Tony was a lot more interesting. Uh, I well, to be I fair, I, super interesting, and, uh-huh. and then it was Doc, and then it became pretty clear that it was going to be Doc, and everyone kind of was like, "Oh God," you know. I feel like that's kind of how it went. They had two yeah. really good options on the table, and then Doc got fired, and it was like, "Oh crap, it's gonna, it's gonna be Doc." And here uh, we are. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. I'll say, yeah, it's getting late here, fellas. Um, I don't want to be falling asleep on you guys. 
Well, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Please like, subscribe, follow along wherever you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, and leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. If you're on Apple or Spotify, give us five stars if you can. It would really help us out. And until next time, everyone, go Sixers. We'll see if Joel comes back. We'll have more basketball to talk about early next week. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.